Welcome to Talks at Stellenbosch Uni, Stellenbosch University's podcast where we talk about current topics and innovative research done at the university. Here's your host, Angelique Dreyer. Today we are in conversation with Hannah Simba, who is a PhD candidate in public health in the Department of Global Health at Stellenbosch University. Her current research is focused on assessing genetic and environmental factors associated with the development of oesophageal cancer. She's an advocate for women's health and is also involved in programs which support women in science. She's a former chapter leader and current ambassador for the Working to Advance STEM Education for African Women Foundation in South Africa. She's also a mentor for the Frontiers of Young Minds Journal, which is a sub-journal for Frontiers focused on getting young kids interested in science. Hannah, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Hannah, can you tell us how you became interested in science? So from a very young age, I was always an observant person. I was interested in how the body functions, how nature worked and how everything around me functioned. And science provided the answers to most of the things I was inquisitive about. So I naturally fell in, into the science path. Um, but specifically, my you know interest in science research was shaped by one of my professors in my undergraduate degree, who's late now, Professor Musavayani. And you know, through his mentorship, I realized the importance of science research that addressed African issues. And my passion just grew from there and I, I pursued postgraduate degrees. And how do you perceive the issue of women in science? I think it's a very important issue. Um, as you all know, that the inclusion of women in science promotes overall scientific excellence and actually boosts the quality of our STEM outcomes. And also gives us, you know, diverse perspectives um, and reduces potential biases. Um, and it is important for me to mention that over the past decades, there have been significant strides made in narrowing the gender disparities in uh, science education, with access and participation for girls and young women. And it has improved globally, but important inequalities and disparities still persist to this day and um, these still need to to be addressed. And given your involvement in programs that support women in science, what would you say are the biggest challenges and also the greatest accomplishments of women in this field? I think if I can put all the challenges that uh, women in science face under one umbrella or one term, it would be the glass ceiling. Um, I think the biggest challenge would be navigating that apparent glass ceiling which exists for women in science. And I think this glass ceiling is made up of gender stereotypes, discrimination, patriarchy, biases, harmful social and cultural norms which limit participation and persistence in science. And this is true for young girls uh, who are in primary high school as well as women STEM professionals or academics. Um, I think navigating all those um, uh, biases and and harmful norms um, is is very is is a, one of the biggest challenges that women in science have, mm-hmm. um, and it's also important to note that because of these biases and gender disparities, 
women scientists often end up having to work twice as hard to prove themselves as adequate. And this obviously has severe, severe repercussions on mental health and also discourage participation in science. Um, I think just to put it into perspective is that because of these biases and um, this glass ceiling that we have, we actually have fewer women um, researchers uh, globally, only 28% of the world researchers are women. And in Sub-Saharan Africa, that is 31%. Um, so obviously a lot still needs to be done to support women in science and to make sure that they persist um, in science. I think some of the greatest accomplishments would be the scientific advancement and innovation that has been pioneered by women scientists. I think we mustn't forget that although the issue of women in science is, is, is a frustrating issue, it's a frustrating story that needs to be addressed, there's also been a lot that women scientists have done for the science field. So it's also a success story in a way. Um, and this includes women that we know uh, who are scientists who are doing amazing or have done amazing in their careers. And also those we, we, we don't know whose contributions were overlooked or whose Nobel Prizes were snapped by their male counterparts. Um, mm -hmm. So I think we do have a lot of accomplishments. Just to mention the, uh, um, the previous Nobel Prize winners for chemistry um, who are two women, Emmanuel Charpentier and Jennifer Dodner for developing the CRISPR method for genome editing. Um, that's a women in science success story that we have to highlight and celebrate. And Hannah, what do you think can be done to spark the interest of more young girls in science at primary school and high school levels? I think it is very important that um, STEM interests be cultivated from a very young age. Um, and there's a couple of things that I think um, can work, and this includes mentorship. I think the mentoring of young girls to take up STEM subjects and to persist in science is very important. And this can be done by STEM professionals, by university students who are doing STEM, um, who can encourage and inspire young girls. If you go online and if you just Google, there are a number of programs um, that are involved in mentorship, uh, career guidance, workshop, outreach programs that you can be a part of. I personally have been involved in an organization called Working to Advance STEM Education for African Women, WAW Foundation, and it focuses on outreach programs for young girls, coding boot camps. Um, and I've seen, you know, the impact that it has in encouraging girls, in mentoring girls to get into the STEM pipeline. And you can do it as part of an organization, but you can also do it individually as well. So I think every scientist has a role to play. Um, the second thing is unbiased classrooms. I think it's important to remember that a lot of the gender stereotypes and biases that we are fighting often start in the classroom or are cultivated in, in, the, in the classroom. So teachers in the overall education system have a role to play in making sure girls and boys have equal opportunities, that girls participate in science, and teachers particularly to call out any bullying and discouragement from other learners. Um, and a lot can be done to train these teachers and sensitize them to the issues, to these issues that we're discussing and making sure that the education system does not end up propagating these inequalities and gender stereotypes. Creating safe environments for learning um, is very, very important. And in your opinion, why is it crucial 
to have more women scientists in Africa? So, as we all know that women form um, just over half the population. So therefore, there needs to be women scientists who represent this population in science and who can also contribute to addressing African issues. Um, you know, we need women who also sit in critical decision-making science platforms who decide which research will be uh, funded, um, what health decisions are important, which policies to engage with governments and regulators and stakeholders. Therefore, not having enough women in science means that the decisions that are made um, will be biased and they may not take into account women's perspectives and, um, and needs. Um, I think the solutions to Africa's problems needs for all hands on, on deck and the inclusion of women in science will bring more innovation, more discoveries, more knowledge, and importantly, it will reduce gender biases um, in, in decision-making. We all know that uh, women are more than capable to contribute to science and innovation as history has shown us that they can. And the fact that women, African women remain underrepresented in science is a, a major disservice um, to the science community. And has COVID-19 had any impact on women in science? Yes, definitely it has, um, particularly on um, the scientific publishing output. There's been a number of papers that have been written now that are showing that women are publishing less, um, which is very concerning, especially with the lockdowns, which meant that more people were working from home and with the you know patriarchal society that we still live in with the responsibilities of household chores of caregiving um uh mainly you know the burden is on women mostly this has given you know women scientists less time for academic work with schools closed and children are at home and homeschooling this has meant less time for for academic work um in a study uh, some of the studies have shown that uh, female authors are accounting for much less of all authors who publish COVID-19 papers since the pandemic started. And this is the same in all other um, subject areas. Um, and they're publishing way less than their male peers and also registering a smaller proportion of the research projects. Um, and I think it is important that universities are aware of this and they have solutions and are able to support their uh, women scientists so that you know they can still be able to um, meet their uh, deadlines, uh, maybe extensions of deadlines, and uh, be able to still uh, work. Yeah. Anna, and lastly, has COVID-19 impacted your studies? And if so, how do you manage to stay motivated? Yeah, definitely it affected my, my study. My original plan included having to travel to travel and uh, do field trips and collect biological samples. But because of the pandemic and the travel restrictions, I could no longer do that. So I had to make the difficult decision to change my objectives. Um, and this was very hard because I had made significant progress with some of the other objectives. Um, so. It, it was a very difficult time. It's been a very difficult time, but I'm grateful for all the support um, that I have. I think doing a PhD generally, even without the pandemic, is very difficult and takes a toll on you mentally. And involving, you know, getting the pandemic, doing it during the pandemic even makes it more difficult. I think what 
made me stay and what still makes me stay motivated is staying busy. Um, during the time when I could not, um, you know, do anything, I was unsure, uncertain about how I'm going to do data collection and thinking about changing the objectives. I embarked on a side project which focused on investigating the impact of COVID-19 on women's health in identifying public health responses and strategies to make women less vulnerable. And this took up my time and it ended up in being a published paper, um, which was which was really great. Um, and I also stay motivated by having the support. I've been very privileged to have supervisors and mentors that have supported me throughout um, this journey. And um, that has helped me to stay motivated. Great, Hannah, thank you so much for your time and thank you for really creating awareness around these issues and the achievements as well. I want to wish you all the best going forward. It's really been a great pleasure to have you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Follow all the latest Stellenbosch University news at www.sun.ac.za or follow us on all the largest social media platforms.